Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio as we continue to celebrate the people who are making Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. You know, I'm, uh, this is uh, Thursday, so it's an expanded show, and I welcome our, li- welcome our listeners from the Mississippi Delta and from the Jackson Market, along with our regular listeners here in coastal Mississippi. Um, I was looking at my history book this morning. And um, there was a there was a, a note about Medgar Evers, and it's something that he said that I that, that uh, you know I kind of related to. And he said this: When you hate, the only person that is suffering is you, because most of the people you hate don't know it, and the rest don't care. <laughs> you know that I think that's a really that's a really good message man that uh first of all you shouldn't hate anybody. Um I have different points of view. I might I might disagree with someone, but no matter what I do, whether it's on this show or my uh my other shows Super Talk Outdoors, I don't have ill will toward anyone. I, I may have difference of opinion about policy. But I try to love everybody. I, I think that you know, it takes a bunch of different points of view. It takes a bunch of different uh, – diversity is a good thing, and um, and it really doesn't pay to hate. In fact, someone once said, and you probably have heard this before, but the opposite of hate is indifference. Uh, it's not – it's not or the opposite of love, excuse me, is indifference, not not hate. That, you know, indifference. Uh, so, you know, anyway, I, I think Medgar Evers, that quote from Medgar Evers is a good one. Something we all should think about. Okay, let's move on now. We got my my good friend, Steve Azar, who's the host of In a Mississippi Minute here on Super Talk. He's a musician. He is uh, Mississippi's music and cultural ambassador. He's the, uh, he wrote the song, One Mississippi, the state song for Mississippi, and has the number one book, children's book in Mississippi as we speak. He's so Someone that I enjoy spending time with, and he's also just a great friend. Steve, how you doing, my friend? Great friend. It's been so good to get to know you over these years. We thank Super Talk for that. Uh, just one of the many benefits of getting to be on the airways besides loving the team there. It's been a blessing. I've been really good. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're number one, is what I've been told. Uh, you know, I've seen it number one at, at different bookstores around the state for the year. They had their 2023 so uh, I don't think we're using that term too loosely. I think we're close, and we're in the, yeah. at least we're in the building. Uh, it's been a blessing for that, and uh, it, it's awesome. And, hey, quote-wise, in love and hate, uh, one of my songs I wrote called uh, On the Waiting on Joe Record, the line was, in my heart wants to run. I wrote it right before I finished the album, uh, and it goes, you know all the, let's see, you know all the space between love and hate really ain't that far and must be the reason why my heart wants to run all the way back. <laughs> That's a good one. Hey, listen, I, that, listen, when you hate, the only person that is suffering is you. That's true, man. That That yeah. is so true. And I, I know 
I have I have friends of mine, and I've I've dealt with this, of course, in the newspaper business. All you know, most of my career, that that really get it get it out for somebody, and they and they can't get it out of their head. And and I watch them, and I say, "Gosh, you better let that go, dude." I mean, they, I mean, you you think they care that you feel that way? They they probably don't. You're going to end up on 48 hours of Dateline on the wrong side of the bars. <laughs> you got to be careful. You know, you got to let that go. I mean, you know, it's uh, you know, being a songwriter. I mean, I can sit here and tell you so many songs that that were inspired by what you're talking about right now. We all go through it in our lives when we got a. There's another song of mine called "Let Go of the Rope." And it was uh, a time in my life when I was playing. It, it was a pastor that lived next door to us. And he'd come over, and he was just really an amazing man. And he would go, are you okay? And so I never let on to what was going on. I go, yeah, I've been going through a tough time. And this and that. He goes, just this one person in my life at the time. And it was just so wrong, and it felt so bad. And you, st- you, you get stomach sick. You literally, it, it becomes a <clears throat> physical thing. Yeah. You carry, carry that that awfulness that you feel towards somebody and he goes you're mad he points at my head he, t- he touches my head he goes you're sad he points towards at my heart he goes now let go of the rope and i went what he goes you've been playing tug of war through this whole time and it true forgiveness if you can let go of that rope then that person on the other side is going to be tugging and nobody's there and he goes well but it t- i said it takes time so i went and wrote the song with my buddy James House, I called him. We were on a roll at the time, and I said, come over right now. And we wrote it, and it, it healed me a lot, but it was about six months later when I really understood what that meant and how to do it. So it takes time sometimes to let go of all that animosity and ridiculousness that consumes you. And then all of a sudden, you just you, you get physically sick. I'm telling you, it's an awful feeling. I think people out there know what I'm talking about that go through it. Listen, uh, as a former publisher, you can imagine I've, I've managed a lot of change in my career, and uh, you know later in my career because of the digital. You know, we, we talked about this before the digital tsunami and having to manage major change efforts. I was so honored to work for the largest privately owned media company in America. Became a regional president for them after my time in New Orleans, and I, I tell you, I, I I still very much in touch with them. Uh, I was so gifted to have the opportunity to work for them. But when you manage a lot of change efforts, when you speak out for for what you believe is right, people are going to take swipes at you. They're gonna they're gonna say things that are not true, and I, that just kind of goes with the territory. Uh, once someone said something. And it really hurt, like you said. I mean, it really hurt deep. This was as I was maturing and trying to understand what does all this mean. I came back to it later, and I thought about that that statement that was made. And I thought to myself, it caused initially a lot of public, I mean, excuse me, a lot of inner reflection. You know, gosh, why would someone say that? And, you know, what if, do people maybe believe it? And I went through that. But then I kind of transitioned. And then I started to say, well, gosh, I'm glad that's not true. And I'm so glad that I have such a great relationship with my wife and my family. And I and it's a reminder, you know, when you're in those moments, you say, gosh, the core, the the core around me is so solid. There's not anyone anybody thing can say. There's not anything anyone can say that's ever gonna penetrate that. And I came to really appreciate that as long as I keep my values in place, as long as I never compromise my integrity, as long as I lead with ethics. 
then I'm going to be okay. And so what I say, when I say in church, to be honest with you, I, I, I prayed about it many times, actually, that the, anyone who's negative toward me or something that I'm involved with, I pray that I pray for them and say, you know, I hope that God will give them strength and get God, God will give them the opportunity to see that there's no ill will in any of this, that there's only, yeah. we're only trying to do the right thing. And it, it's been personal reflection has been actually really helpful to me, Steve. When I pray for people that I've had animosity toward in my life, and I really focus on that, it becomes a really good day. I got to tell you, like good things happen. You know, they, yeah. they pray for the enemy, pray for, we, you know, we have people that may not be our enemies as much as they've just been our rivals or they've been difficult to work with and, and maybe affected our career at a given point. But I get all of that, what you're saying. Uh, it takes a lot, but but I, I think you're right. I think once you can turn to prayer, then I think it, it's really a, it's a fixer, man. It's a, it's been a fixer for me. Yeah, it is. Listen, what we're sharing is that when you're in public life, I was the, a publisher of a newspaper for I don't know 16 years of my career in uh, New Orleans and Mobile and here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and had responsibilities for newspapers across five states. When you're in public life. Then you, you, especially let's say mine in the media, people will tend to to lash out at the messenger. You know, they want to shoot the messenger, and then um, you know, in your in your world, you know, when you're a public figure like you are, people gonna have all kinds of interpretations of you. <laughs> you know, but the one thing they're never gonna say about you, Steve. I think they'll never say that you have you don't say anything bad about anybody, man. You're you're no wonder you're an ambassador for the state around the around culture because you have this in, innate ability to just be friends with with everyone, and that's a, a beautiful beautiful talent that you have. I don't have enough fans to be any other way. <laughs> now <laughs> I've been humbled in life, and I think that back in our competitive days, you and me both. Ricky, when we were playing sports and and even on stage and stuff, I, there was a competitiveness. And once I learned the difference between competitiveness and then and then you know off the field, off the stage, and the ability to get to know people uh, that you never got a chance to. Once you did, you found out, man, there's such goodness in everybody, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. You know, anybody can get along with anybody if you give it a chance, unless. They got the devil in them, and then you got to deal with that, and maybe you can't. You know, I have ran into people that I can't get along with. Then, well, do you? Hey, do you find Steve? Though you know, you alluded to this earlier in the conversation, but that some of your best music came out of those experiences. Yeah, I mean, I've written so many songs. I mean, I'm telling you, on every album, there is a specific song or two that was really deep rooted, and probably had some angst and maybe some anger in there, and that I wrote myself out of it. I was always able as a kid writing myself out of them. I got grounded a lot. Ricky, yeah. nobody got grounded more than me by my mom. She grounded yeah. me all the time. And the only way that she'd let me out of the room and let me out of being grounded was if I wrote a song and I went and played it for her. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it happened, you know? So uh, that was my get out of jail card. Oh my gosh, man! You know the uh, our parents and the and the role they play in our lives. I, I we can't say enough about that. Listen, uh, when we come back on the other side, we're going to uh, continue our conversation with Steve Azar, the music and cultural ambassador for the state of Mississippi, the musician. And uh, actually, what I I want to ask him about the Taylor Swift uh, phenomenon. I have my view about that, and it's not negative at all, for a matter of fact. And um, and then we'll talk, you know, about his show in a Mississippi minute. What's going on there? All kinds 
kinds of awesome guests that he's that he's uh, getting with these these days. We'll see you after this break. and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studios. We talked to my friend Steve Azar, the music and cultural ambassador for the state of Mississippi and the host of End of Mississippi Minute right here on Super Talk Mississippi. And I enjoyed that conversation at the beginning of the show. You never know how these these quotes that I share are going to inspire various conversations. But, you know, to be a songwriter, Steve, you have to be a poet. You have to be in touch with the human condition. I mean, that's what being, that's what being a, a songwriter is. And then when you can write music and write songs, poems that touch people. That's the way you find success in life, isn't it? Yeah. Well, for me, it's been, it's been an outlet that I can't imagine me being me or being able to survive the day or having the optimism I have without being able to release those emotions and the things you go through in life. And being a songwriter has allowed me to, all my songwriting pals have that same exact uh, they'll tell you the exact thing. Today, we lost an incredible one in Toby Keith. I mean, when I say, uh, you know, there's, okay, there's artists who go into the room with songwriters and they're, and then they're not even in the room, but they get credit. I don't want to say who that is, but, and then there's, there's songwriters like Toby Keith who goes in the room with a great songwriter and he is the room. I mean, that guy could pin a song. He was a patriot. You know, he loved his country. You knew where he stood. Um, there, w- there weren't many bad words ever spoken about Toby. We went through the same thing. I followed his footprints. So when I was going through it with the record label president, he had already gone through with it. Um, he was told he could never sell more than 400,000 records. He was never da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, all that. And so he left. And when he left, I'm going to segue into Taylor for you. When he yeah. left, he went with James Stroud from Mississippi, a great producer, and he went with to, uh, uh, with Scott Bruschetta. Scott Bruschetta would later go to, to start Big Machine, where Taylor Swift became a superstar on. So, and then, you know, Toby was selling millions of records at that point because he was given an opportunity. Um, and so, uh, also, he was a guy that had the same bandmates forever. He was a guy that, uh, he was very loyal to his fans. He was always really kind and friendly to me. We shared the same mix engineer forever. And I, I, t- I text my buddy Mills Logan. He's a Grammy and Emmy winner. And I said, I'm so sorry, you know, because he was just working with Toby the other day. And, um, you know, he said, Toby goes, hey, I'm a performer. And I'm going, I'm ready to go back. And he looked so sick, you know what I mean? He'd lost half his body uh, from this vicious battle of cancer. And so the country music business is going to mourn today and going to mourn for a while. He's very special. What, what's interesting about him and his story, and we're all going to learn more about that, and you alluded to it now, is that he understood he was an artist, and he understood what he wanted to do, and the industry was not not letting him do that. You know, when he was trying to do that, the music the music titans sort of controlled everything, the producers and the record companies. Today, it'd, it'd be... Maybe it'd be easy for somebody like T- Toby Keith to emerge, given his creativity yeah. and his uniqueness and his how much in touch he was with his craft. Very smart guy, had thoroughbreds, and he was on horses and all that. 
I can tell you this, his craft, he was as good as it got when it came to be a singer, songwriter, artist. So not all artists are great songwriters like Willie Nelson. And, you know, you know, there's so many great uh, artists who don't write their songs, you know. So he was one of those guys. He was an anomaly in our business to be as successful as he has. You know, and as he's been in his career to be one of the guys writing those songs, he had a go to group that he went to uh, that was very small that he wrote with that um, I've had on my show at times. And those guys would just go, Toby is a songwriter. And that's, you know, I have a lot of my songwriting pals like I'll go, well, I was in the room and I did most of it. You know, what I mean? like they don't do yeah. that. They won't say that, but that's what they mean. Uh, so Toby was the Toby was uh, the quintessential songwriter that just happened to be a great artist and and just a he was a good guy. I'm telling you, man, it's a, a tough. We've been losing a lot of good ones, and he's yeah. just 62 years old. So that obviously puts perspective on my age and where I am. Uh, he wrote the song "How Do You Like Me Now" about the same guy that I wrote "I Won't Let You Lead Me Down" about. <laughs> so there you go. So we had that <laughs> shared common and and his I won't, mine was never a single. But his was, and everybody knows how do you like me now? <laughs> you know, yeah. So. Oh, I know. And, uh, and uh, yeah. it's such a great story. Hey, listen. Um, speaking of songwriters, you know, we everyone's talking about Taylor's, Taylor Swift as it relates to her relationship with Travis Kelsey and and um, and Kansas City with the Super Bowl coming up and whatever. But I think it'd be it'd be important for people who really want to have an open mind about her to take a step back a little bit. I remember when my two sons, Justin and Jordan, and I were hunting up in Stone County, actually. And we were, we were in between hunts. We were sitting in the truck. And we were listening to the highway on uh, on Sirius, and she was there. She was there with an acoustic guitar, and she was 15 years old, and she was playing some of her music, and then they were talking to her. And she was even then. I, I said, my sons and I, and they were young at the time. We were completely enthralled with this conversation that was taking place, because it was clear then that she had a vision for what she wanted to accomplish. And already her music was incredible. Her first album was a huge success. We know that. Her next album, she went from Western country music into more pop. And then now she's doing, you know, kind of an offtake of that. But, the re- but if you look at the records that she's that she's garnered along the way, redefining entire genres, controlling her own music, writing her own music. Um, I've heard some of the best songwriters in America talk about her to say, man, she's one of the music geniuses of our time. There may never be another Taylor Swift. And we haven't even, she's still, she's still young, yeah. buddy. When she can yeah. go to China and sell out a concert in less than a minute, you, th- you just think about that for a second. Her, her worldwide influence, they, the, the NFL has just based on her crossing paths with the NFL says that the value of the NFL has gone up $331 million. So I believe when, it. when people yeah. see her in, Sitting in that in that box, and they and they think about Taylor Swift. They're not really they're not really comprehending who that is and what her worldwide influence is. It's unbelievable what she's been able to accomplish, isn't it, Steve? Well, let me tell you what. First of all, when you look at her as she's up there supporting her man, right? And there's a normalcy to it, right? That she looks all of a sudden she looks like a fan, right? So that's the beauty in her. That she could step back and be that person because she, she looks like it. I mean, she doesn't look like the way she dresses and the way she's not trying to go look at me, look at me, look at me. She's never been that way. And I can tell you 
that how she's handled herself being a child star to being now has been as good as I've ever seen. And, uh, and you, you, I mean, come on, there hadn't been a lot of issues, right? Uh, she's a competitor, but if you look back in time, so my buddy, Scott Bruschetta, you know, who was big, he was the guy that went to radio. His dad was one of the best. He went to radio. He had all these relationships and helped get radio play. Right. So when he was doing, um, big machine, uh, there was Taylor sitting on the bench at the time. She was 13 at the time. And she was writing all these songs with a song plugger. So a lady that was not a songwriter named Liz Rose. So a lot of people don't know that first album. If you look back, you'll see this. You'll see written by Taylor Swift and Liz Rose. Written by Taylor Swift and Liz Rose. Most of that record. And what happened was Liz was around great songwriters and was getting songs to artists and producers, pitching them that she got so good at pitching songs and knowing what a hit was, she was able to figure out how to write herself. Crazy, right? So that's what happened there on that first record. Then Liz and I met through Cobalt, which was an administration publishing company, and they came and bought her catalog for no telling how many millions. And they, I came over there as well during that period, and they introduced us. They felt like we'd be a good combination. We went to dinner, and, uh, and then we'd write a song. And so then we'd go to dinner and we'd, we'd drink wine and write a song. So we named our publishing company Wine Songs. And, we, <laughs> we'd, uh, and we, what we wanted to have a publishing company so we could sign this one act named Walt Wilkins, who we both loved. He's from Texas. She's from Texas. I got to spend a lot of time with Walt. So we ended up making, he ended up being a songwriter for me and Liz. And he made a record on my label, which is called Plenty, which is brilliant. Anyway, Walt was sort of biblical in a way. Um, uh, you look at him, he comes in the sandals in the room and the long hair and the flowing hair and the beard and the mustache. And, you know, you feel like you're in the presence of, of something biblical, you know. But um, the and even Taylor back then, I can go let me back up to Taylor. She opened for me in Pine Knob in Detroit. I would say it was 2007. And I think my daughter, it may have been her first show, and it may not have been, but I can tell you my daughter, Cecilia, was barely, you know, she was four or whatever, at three or four, and she got an autograph from, from her, and she just became a fan, right, forever. And so I just watched how she handled Cecilia, and I said, that, this girl's got it. But you got to realize there were a lot of markets in the Midwest, I had radio friends, they said, we love Taylor, but she doesn't fit the format. It's for older, you know, uh, older, not 13 older women. And so we can talk more about it on the other side of the break. I know I'm running my mouth, but the bottom line was she figured out through social media how to bypass all that. And eventually everything would come together and she blew up. It's such a great story. But what's at the basis? I, th I didn't know you had all these intersections with her along oh, the way. That's yeah. to me, that's fascinating. But it is a story of she was destined for greatness because of her incredible understanding of music and the human condition and her ability to translate that. Just awesome stuff. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Steve Azar.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I have my friend Steve Azar, the music and cultural ambassador for the state of Mississippi. And when we went to break, look, we were learning. I didn't know this. We were learning about all these, you know, really interesting intersections between Steve's world and Taylor Swift. He once, how many people in Mississippi can say that Taylor Swift once opened up for them? Steve Azar <laughs> can say that. And they had mutual songwriting it friends. Brief. It was brief, Ricky. It doesn't matter. It's part of history. That's what's so cool about it. But uh, why don't you continue on? What else about those intersections are are unique? I got a call from my publicist, and she sends me a thing in People Magazine. It was either People Country or People Magazine. I can't quite remember. And it was back in 2010 where Taylor had said that was her favorite song, Sunshine. My song, Sunshine, was her favorite song at the time because she said it. It was a, a male artist not afraid to be vulnerable and all this. And we sold so many. I'd left Universal and we sold so many records that week. And so and I was like, so I, we sent 12 dozen roses because her, the, the guy, John Zarling, who was working at, at Big Machine, was my guy at Mercury and Universal. And he left with Scott Berchetta. So he was a good friend. And we, we you know, we had our first hits together and. And so I sent, we sent 12 dozen roses. I think it was to, he said, make sure Taylor gets it. You know, so uh, <laughs> I keep waiting for Taylor to do like her favorite songs and maybe she won't forget that that was one of them. It's been a while. She probably yeah. has a, she probably has a million favorite songs by now, but um, you know, I, I just got to tell you, it's just the way she handled it, how she was able to use social media. She really was the first, she was the very first to do that. And I got to tell you, when you see her live, and you see everybody, all these girls still to this day, two generations of women and their daughters crying. They're crying. So what what shows do you remember in history where the crowd is crying when she comes out of the stage? The Beatles and Elvis. I don't know who else you could say that about. So yeah. you're talking about the version of all of that now. And I, I really I, people may think I'm crazy for saying it. But I really believe today she's that my she's Tiger Woods of golf. Yeah, you know, yeah. Jack Nicholas and and uh, Arnold Palmer may have been Elvis Presley and and uh, <laughs> and the Beatles, but she is Tiger Woods of golf. She's bringing people to the format uh, and to listen to music from all genres because she's sort of she's figured out a a a way of having everybody. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really it's so. incredible. I mean, you look. I think she's probably now done done concerts all over all over the world, every continent in the world for sure she has. And there's a great Netflix special right now. If if people haven't seen it, I would really encourage you to go take a look at. It. Actually, it's not on it's on Amazon Prime for matter of fact. It's not on Netflix, but it re- retraces her entire history. It's pretty well done, but you really get a chance to see this this story of this young girl who had a vision for herself and what she did with it. And she's just a musical genius. And her her ability again. I, I'd say this. I, I don't want to overplay this, but but you know, some people just have ability to sort of look at the world and the human condition and put it into words in a way that touches people. And she has this incredible ability to do that. And um, I have a friend of mine who has a young daughter, and we mentioned we mentioned something about uh, about the Kansas City Chiefs, and she could tell you more about the team than he could <laughs> or I could. And it had nothing. Yeah. Look, she doesn't she doesn't follow the NFL. She didn't know anything about the NFL. 
But because of whatever that connection is with Taylor, that that just all these kids dove into that team. Hey, it must be a great relationship because he's playing. Travis is playing pretty dang inspired. You got to say he is playing his tail off. I mean, hey, I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll, I'll let my my uh, my prediction out of the bag. But I'm I'm for San Francisco. I I, I love the Brock Purdy story. I I, I just what this is going to be a great matchup. And of course, the fact that it's happening in Las Vegas, and you see the the price of yeah. tickets to the game, it's uh it's going to be an epic event. Probably one of the biggest events ever in the history of the NFL. And uh, and I'm going to be yeah. pulling for the for the San Francisco 49ers for that for that game. So. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. My my dad had family there, and Kansas City. If not for them and a program director named Mike Kennedy, I probably would have never had a hit. So I'm very dedicated to Kansas City for those reasons, and uh, and so uh, the Midwest in general helped break me as an artist. So it made me as an artist. So we say break, but it's made. Yeah, hey, but, listen. Uh, when I was at when I was with the Sun Herald, they owned the Kansas City Star, and um, I, I love the Kansas City Star and uh, Kansas. Yeah. So, but anyway, I spent a lot of time in that part of the country is the point I want to make. And boy, that, people there are great, man. They remind me of the people in Mississippi, don't they? Yeah, they do. There's something about it that uh, was, a, I had a great connection with, with the folks in the Midwest period. They love music. I don't know where they're cold. And when they come out of the cold, they thaw out and they just go, you know, like they yeah. show up to shows. They're very supportive. But yeah, I mean, this one guy, Mike Kennedy was a really good friend of Tom Watson's, was actually with him. His family and them, I think their daughters were uh, roommates at Kansas, maybe. Anyway, they he was there when uh, sorry when Watson made that run to win the British Open. He was with him. And then when Watson didn't win it, you know, and went into sudden death, I mean, he was almost at the greatest sports moment, arguably, in history that didn't uh, that almost happened with with Tom Watson. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I just tell you, man, it's just. You got beautiful people that have made a big difference in my life, and and obviously Taylor's and anybody else's. Taylor's just taking it to a place that uh, is just remarkable. I mean, it's Tiger Woods. Hey, you know what? Let's let's transition because you keep bringing up. You mentioned James House, and I've had the opportunity to meet him. What a talent he is! You mentioned uh, you mentioned so many others, but one of the great things about your show in a Mississippi Minute. Partly because of your time in recording and and your and you continue to be involved in 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 that in that sector of the economy, but also because of the fact that you go to all these nonprofit uh, fundraising opportunities and lend your name and and your energy to it all over the country. You get to meet a lot of people and you make a lot of friends and you're able to to kind of come back together with them on your show in a Mississippi Minute here on Super Talk. It's been kind of magic that all these various pieces fit together into these conversations hasn't it been i had it has i'm wearing Corey miller's this is Corey. he was uh obviously his giants for christ he was a new york giant for about eight or nine ten years finished in the vikings uh he's south carolina gamecock hall of fame his son was quarterback christian for at alabama not too long ago and played for the carolina panthers for a little while but uh cory's got a great heart he never missed our event ever and uh, we support his. He's got his going now. And he's he goes out and gets gets his hands dirty, as they say, his heart's dirty, and gets in there and mixes with the people that need help right there in the midst of it. Uh, so we support his charity in, in Columbus, South Carolina. And it's just been great. So many wonderful people. Uh, I just interviewed a guy named Stan Warnow. He is Raymond Scott's son. And so a lot of people may go, who's Raymond Scott? 
Well, I knew who Raymond Scott was. He's one of the greatest composers in history, right? You're talking Academy Awards. You're talking about all this stuff. And he invented like elect electronic instrumentation or something, some sort of crazy invention. And Stan also was an editor on Saturday Night Live. Uh, he's been a, he's won different awards, but he's got a documentary coming out um, about his dad. And uh, it's one of some film festivals already. And and so now it's about to make its way to some streaming platform. But we ha I had him on. But I met him through a publicist by way of uh, Rob Mora. Rob was the uh, doctor on Northern Exposure. And we got to be friends playing at the BMW every year in, in South Carolina. So he goes, oh, I want you to meet my publisher, my publicist, sorry. And since then, this publicist named Rob Evanoff has sent me so many people that have won so many awards, Academy Awards, Grammys. I mean, stacks. And it's been so much fun interviewing his cast of characters from L.A. And uh, anyway, he I'm pretty sure I think they won a Grammy again last night. So uh, he's uh He's a great guy, and and I've got uh, I got Jim Moose Brown coming back. You've met Jim, uh, wrote Five O'clock, co-wrote Five O'clock somewhere in the Silver Bullet Band. Um, Five O'clock somewhere demo singer that he had was Chris Stapleton. So it you know when you're in our business, there's no way you're gonna. It's a very small niche, and so there's no way that all of these somebody's gonna have one degree of separation. Hey, but what's, hey, what's so interesting about the conversations, though, and if there's there's probably a lot of common elements to all these conversations, that's for sure, is uh, something that as I was as I was growing up and reading a lot about setting goals and and uh, you know d developing myself and trying to be the best version of myself and all that. One of the words that I came to appreciate is, is a, well, one of the terms is dogged determination. That you know to achieve success in your life, you have to be dogged determination. You have to have dogged determination. And the reality is, there are a lot of people that's going to tell you you can't do it. There's a lot of people that's going to say you're setting your goals too high. There are people going to be jealous of you and say there's no way you're going to be able to do that. And what I did early in my career is I, I listened to those things and those people and I said, you know, um, coming back to Toby Keith's song and the one that you wrote, you know, look at me now kind of deal. But the reality was, I, I, I think that the key is you to succeed, you have to have dogged determination. And you, every one of the stories that you tell, Steve, there's a common thread that says most of it didn't happen by happenstance. They created, they created a template where relationships happened and other things happened that enabled them to be to be discovered but they were all just hard-working people trying to make something happen and finally something happened and they got a great story to tell around it and uh and it's inspiring to hear those stories when we come back on the other side we'll see what steve has to say about that but in some ways i'm actually telling steve's story too when we uh come back we'll uh, continue our conversation with steve azor more of the Ricky Matthews show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Steve Azar, who's the host of In a Mississippi Minute and the music and cultural ambassador for the state of Mississippi, wrote the state song, One Mississippi. 
I love that song. It's the uh, theme song for Super Talk Outdoors, and I'm so proud of it. And I love to hear it every single Monday. It's a, just an awesome song. Hey, we went to break. We're talking about of uh, the guests that you have. There is a there is a common thread that is around dog and determination that they had to fight and tear and toil their way to success. And none of it usually came easy. But listening to their everyday stories about what led them to their success is so awesome to hear. I'm telling you, Ricky, you worked your tail off beyond. Well, you if there were 29 hours in a day, you'd work 32 hours. I'm telling you, I, I mean that. I, there's nobody that I know in my business and in the people that we've gotten to know in life and sports and all that. I, there's nobody that got to a level of success beyond the dream, right? Where it really became what you do. Your career even was greater than your dream. Um, that didn't work harder than anybody. And I believe in that. I believe somebody can have less talent and can work themselves past the talented if they don't work. When you, when you have a winning combination of the gift and talent and you work that hard, then you're, if you can stay healthy in the sports world, you got it made. But, um, but, but, you know, in our world, you know, and, and not everything's going to work out. So while you're building yourself uh, up and working as hard as you are, you're actually preparing yourself for failure too, because uh, you're going to fail so much and you just got to hope that, that you don't fail as much as you succeed. Yeah. And, hey, hey, and, and what? But what I would say is you could almost re- rename your show from In a Mississippi Minute to the paths, plural, the paths to success. And and because every story has embedded in it how a single human being had a vision for something and decided to make it a reality and hearing that story and where they come from. And so many came from humble beginnings. And so, yeah. and so, you know what I mean? It's just, it's such a, it's really inspiring to hear those stories. I walk out of here every show and I'll go, Gwen goes, my Gwen goes, don't say it. And I'm my mouth's wide open. I can't believe it. I can't believe that, you know, they went through that and they did that, you know, because they loved it so much. And I forget that you and I and anybody else did, that we went through it in our own way. And I think they walk out when they hear our story, they're probably going, OK, they were nuts to think and naive and too innocent. How did they, uh, you know, but we were we were there has to be a certain amount of naivete and I always say that and innocence through this run that you're trying to make that is probably impossible to a lot of people. And um, I just don't believe in impossible. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it exists. I do think that a lot of people are, you know, opportunity doesn't come knocking because maybe something happened along their life where they had to grow up too fast or, you know, got married really young or, and then they had to make a living too soon. And, you know, you know there's all these things that become a Springsteen song at that point. But <laughs> the truth is, um, I think that when you do, when time allows you and affords you the ability to work for something and if, and you don't run out of time, then I feel like you've got a really good shot at, at, at something special. Actually, I think you just came up with the hook on a new song. I don't okay, believe look. in impossible. I don't I, believe I don't, in impossible. What a, yeah, what a, what an inspiring statement about what it takes to succeed. You know, it's interesting. I was going down the hall once, and I, uh, a, a janitor, to be quite honest with you, a janitor in the building said, was whistling. And the CEO looked at me, and he said, 
I was so envious of him. And I said, are you? Tell me, why, why do you have that observation? He said, look at him. He's a janitor, and he's thrilled to be here. He's happy to be alive, and, he's, and there's something to say for that. He's comfortable where he is in his life, and he's happy. And, and so the lesson there, obviously, is that no matter what you do in your life, no exactly. matter what you do in your life, no I don't what. care what role you play in the life, you can find happiness, and you can find success, and you can believe that, that, uh, that everything is possible. Yeah, and that, that's a bigger point than what I made, because a lot of people's uh, destinies and journey, working hard, at whatever it is, when you become really prolific at it and really good at it and you're happy with it, well, that's happiness. You know, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Money it follows is. what you need or whatever. It usually follows, follows hard work and happiness. So, uh, listen, in the short time we have left, uh, you've, you've been working with some artists to help bring their careers along. Your Rod Records, you've uh, you stayed busy, haven't you? It's been good. you got Tyler Tisdale and Trey Pulliam working on their sophomore records. Um, haven't started Tyler's yet, but uh, uh, been in the middle of Drew's, and you know, they got a really good shot. We've been at the Delta Music Institute where I get to have fun there, and let me tell you, uh, we're filming the the communications department uh, is filming the making of this entire record, so we're gonna have that. So they're getting the hands-on experience of what and be a part of maybe some cool history. So we'll see. But uh, it's been fun. I love working with the next generation of songwriters and artists. I think I need to pass that on. So it's been it's always fulfilling. It's fun to watch. It's fun to listen to. Uh, no, no doubt. Hey, Steve, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Uh, keep Always. up the great work, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Love you, brother Rick. Later you on, bet. Kyle, in the background. Friend. You bet. Take care. He's always going to recognize Kyle, the producer of the show. Kyle's always back there doing amazing stuff. Hey, listen, uh, have a great day, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Talk Mississippi Media Production.